I did, I did um, chop some bits. I mean, I will admit, I did, I did go in and, and editorialize some of your speaking, but... I'm surprised you only chopped some bits. I would have chopped <laughs> most bits. It led to yeah. pure comedy, though. When you were about to get started, Tim's like, cut. <laughs> and then I have to come and be like... You guys, it was almost like you all cued it together because I started to go <laughs> off and you're like, nope, that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> So hey everybody, welcome to episode 146 of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm Tim Mitra and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin <laughs> down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we're also joined by Tammy Coron in West Tennessee. Hey now. <laughs> hey now. All right. Hey now. I go, I go all day. Hmm? I said, I go, I go all day. I don't get you that don't get reference. the reference, forget yeah. it. I get the, I get the hey now, but not that one. Anywho, okay, so Jaime, do we have some Ask MTJC or follow-up? We do. On our website, in episode 144, a friend of the show, Sean Marston, has told us, thanks for the link to Sam's Ray Wonderlick creating a framework tutorial, which was a follow-up to that episode where we mentioned, like, oh, by the way, here's how you do that in a non-Swift way, uh, if you're doing a, a sort of old school, he says, with quotes, Objective-C style framework. Cool. All right. And another f- uh, follow-up item we had, we talked, um, I think we, Jaime and I talked on Twitter more ab- about this than, than on the show. I don't think we talked about it, but uh, the WannaCry virus that basically took down, you know, many places in Europe and some hospitals here in Canada. Um, we're running legacy equipment and they're probably running old, you know, Windows 98 because they may have a proprietary app that was written for them or any any number of reasons. And um, I took the position that I think that Microsoft owned, owned some of the responsibility uh, for the product that they created and you know, admittedly abandoned or said they weren't going to support anymore, but I think it was about 10 years ago, actually. Um, but it's a 16-year-old product, Jaime's point was, and that... Um it, uh, it it's up to the administrators of the hospitals to sort of keep their equipment up to date, their software up to date and operating systems and things. But in light of that, Microsoft did um, actually produce a patch for Windows 98 because they to prevent uh, this ransomware attack from happening in the future. So that's the follow-up on that. Kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's old enough to drive now, legally in the United States. I, I don't know what, <laughs> what it is in Canada, but at 16, you can get a driver's permit. So, um, like, I, I understand that the tough part, it's something like the, the NHS, the, was it National Healthcare System? I don't know what it stands for, but yeah, it's something healthcare-related. Yeah. I understand the situation they're in, where it's like, hey, uh, we didn't actually budget for this, but, I mean, that's a problem for their project implementation and administration, right? And I, I think on Twitter, I'd raise the, the conjecture of, like, well, could they get away with something like, oh, we didn't grease up the MRI for 16 years and it busted. So therefore, you know, it's your fault, you know, Microsoft uh, for doing this. Like, well, I mean, that's that's quite a long time, right? That's quite a long time to, to go without having some sort of maintenance plan, right? Like that would never fly. If they're like, oh, yeah, we just we didn't know we had to clean the scalpels. What are you talking about? And you know, that's why you got an infection. Uh, n- not to sort of completely remove Microsoft from the equation, because, I mean, clearly they wrote the code that was uh, vulnerable to this kind of attack. But I think they did just about everything in their power to make it you know, something that you could avoid, right? If you were on the uh, reasonably recent versions of uh, Windows, uh, Windows 10 for sure, and, and possibly 8. I'm not sure if 8 was 
Yeah, I, I give them. I give Microsoft some slack. I mean, if it took 15 years before somebody came up with this attack, and and the rumor is that it, they only got it because they stole it from the NSA, um, then that's you know that's that's actually reasonably good from Microsoft's point of view. Yeah, I mean, 15 years ago, who was expecting any of this, right? Right. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so kudos to Microsoft for doing that. And, and by the way, if you are running at Windows 98, PS suggests you uh, follow this link to find the patch so you can get your <laughs> Well, I suggest updated. you go out and buy a new computer tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of... Uh- Back back on the App Store, um, the, our gentleman, our friend, uh, Mr. Capelli, who had uh, written Dash and did some, we talked about this back on the uh, earlier episode, we can look it up for you, uh, but he had to remove Dash for iOS and Dash off the, off the uh, Mac Store, Mac App Store. Um, he's back on the iOS Store. He created a personal account, a new personal account, and uh, with Apple's blessing, got his Dash for iOS back on the store. In the article, he says that even though he open-sourced Dash for iOS and told people that they could use it to create their own version of it, but they weren't, you know, within the software li- license, they weren't, uh, uh, they weren't allowed to put it on the App Store. Several people continued to put publish their own version of Dash for the iOS on the App Store, and then if they, if he found out about it, they changed their name and republished it again. So uh, Apple, he said, was pretty good about removing those copycats from the store who were just basically getting his GitHub Git, GitHub code and tweaking it a bit and what have you, but. Um, yeah, so he's back on the on the um, App Store. I think a lot of people use Dash for managing their what do you call them documentation, I guess, for Xcode, etc., different product products. So he's back on the store. Good for him. I mean, as long as he went through the the right channels with Apple and you know cleared his name, then great. Yeah, for sure. Another p- piece, and this comes from our friend Curtis Herbert. Uh, he posted an article uh, this week that talks about whether or not an IB outlet should be marked as optional. In other words, it should be uh, when you when you uh, uh, create a reference to it in your in your view controller, whether it should be implicitly unwrapped or what's the other one, question mark, um, or marked as an optional, um, and then test for whether it's nil or not. Um, he takes the position that it should not be implicitly unwrapped and that it should be marked as an optional, and then you should test for nil in in uh, in use. And, and the reason he said that is because in many of the cases where he's, he's used it in his apps, uh, he's found that... That there are instances where the storyboard doesn't reload, even though you're meant to assume it does, which is why you implicitly unwrap it and your app will crash. So I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this article, but just a quick follow up on the debate about whether or not to mark uh, an IB outlet as implicitly unwrapped. Yeah, it's an interesting article. Uh, I haven't had that problem myself, um, so I can't comment. Is, is this an, an, a real active debate? Well, so you know? here's the thing. There, there is one video. I never, never found the video. There's one video from a WWDC talk where the, the pe- person on the stage says that it shouldn't be unpl- implicitly unwrapped and that it should be marked as optional and you should test for nil, right? But if you create, if you use the uh, interface builder and you dra- option drag over or control drag over um, an object and create an outlet in your view control, Xcode marks implicitly unwraps it, right? So with a with an exclamation point. But so there's that there's that debate. Well, if Xcode does it, then whatever. So we we've discussed it at our office, and I think we decided to, to treat them as optionals and and test for them. But um, yeah, so it, it has been a not a heated debate, you know, not like tabs versus spaces, but it is discussed. And you know, when somebody of uh, Curtis Herbert's you know acclaim as a successful iOS developer who's making money on the App Store says this is his experience based on in a many hours of coding himself um, and running apps that uh, I, t- I tend to believe him. I haven't really fully digested it, and it's something I want to talk about um, with our team and sort of figure out what we want to do, because I think it's you know it's still relatively early days, even though it's been, what, 
three years since we've been able to use Swift. And some of the patterns that you might want to use are still sort of solidifying. The way I understand this one is if you want to be sort of truly defensive about your programming to make sure that you don't you don't crash, right? Avoid crashing at all costs. This one makes sense to me in that, you know, if you had things as optional and then you're you know, sort of properly unwrapping them, let's say with, I don't know, like an if let or even better, like guard statements to like verify like, hey, are these things actually here before I try using them? I think it's worth a you know, slight bit of what might be perceived as clutter that you would avoid with the implicitly unwrapped. You're just like, hey, compiler, like just trust me, it will be here for sure. I, I think the case of things not actually loading is probably less likely to happen, even though it, I'm sure that it, it can. The thing I would be more concerned about, particularly if you have a uh, a larger team is that if you're using you know nibs or storyboards and you are connecting things, it is super easy to accidentally disconnect something and not realize that you did so. Um, because the, the diff on the storyboard is very difficult to sort of <laughs> like be, see yeah. what, what's going on. It's like, whoops, it turns out I disconnected that thing and boom, it's going to crash under some scenario. And, and hopefully you have, you know, automated testing or, you know, manual testing or, or some other sort of quality assurance that prevents that from happening. But I, I guess you can't you know, guard against them all. No pun intended. So I think I'm okay with this, but I'd, I'd have to see what it looks like in practice as to whether it, you know, clutters up and makes it more difficult to read the code sort of vis-a-vis the what gain do you get out of it i'm not 100 percent certain of the trade-off the the example given here wasn't enough like i'd love to see it in in my own code base to see like oh this is great it, it doesn't add to much cruft and you know it's it's safer which is great uh, on the other hand it might turn out to be oh it's you know a little bit safer but holy moly i really don't want to look at this code anymore it's too noisy i can't sort of quickly grasp what's going on so uh, this is something yeah, I think to follow think up on. More likely than the case of having something be accidentally disconnected is the case, which happens all the time, where the name of the outlet is changed for some reason, and the thing connecting to it uh, isn't disconnected. So so you get that little exclamation mark in the storyboard uh, uh, connection uh, view, and then it crashes when it tries to load the storyboard. You guys must have seen this. I mean, this happens oh, thousands mm-hmm. of times. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And unfortunately, this won't this won't protect against that particular thing because uh, that crash happens before any code gets yeah as it gets unpacks, executed. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, simply in his example here, and it's a very simple example. He's using an email field of a UI text field, and he all he has to do when he when he sets the the value or, or signs the value to the email text field, he just uses um, optional binding by putting a question mark after the the field name and then the attribute. Right. Uh, so that's that's a pretty safe way to check for nil if it just doesn't work it doesn't work right so um yeah I know, like i said it's, it's we've, well, we've discussed but, but that, that ends up yeah that that could cause problems because that ends up returning the overall result of of that uh of that code is is to return a nil and if you're counting on there being something returned some some actual thing being returned you got to check for that to be nil sure exactly yeah so it's you know it's turtles all the way down <laughs> yeah, <laughs> turtles opposed to bubbling. So next is Jaime's piece there. Yeah, this one is is sort of follow up to the discussion about the Kotlin programming language, which came up on the show when discussing Google I/O extent. Sorry, Google I/O's 2017 event and their official support for Kotlin. Uh, here we have a blog post by Erica Sadoon, who has uh, decided to install Kotlin and see about getting it uh, running through Xcode, which. I didn't know you could do that. I, I honestly have literally never done the sort of thing that she does here with, with using, what is it, multi-platform, cross-platform projects. 
I've always done, you know, iOS stuff, uh, maybe open up a Mac OS project or two. Um, but in, she also quickly kind of compares about the getting started with like a hello world sort of thing with Kotlin's REPL and how uh, it's not quite as easy and nice as uh, we have with Swift. Um, but it doesn't look that hard to set up. And if you really wanted to try out Kotlin without going down the route of having to install like, you know, Android Studio or IntelliJ or something, you still want to stay in the familiar confines of Xcode. Here you go. Perfect blog post. It'll be in the show notes for those of you driving at home. Yeah, so it's cool. It's fun and funky. And uh, I'm adding another article uh, about Kotlin that was written by a blogger who uh, mostly does iOS stuff and, and has done some Android using Java and, and just absolutely hated using Java for Android uh, and really loves using Kotlin for Android. So it's kind of an interesting read. Oh, the title uh, I is brilliant. I, I think I've seen this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the title so is uh, Why Kotlin is Better Than Whatever Dumb Language You're Using, <laughs> which is pretty funny. The guy's name is Steve Yegi, I think. Y-E-G-G-E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice read. Yeah, no, I think I read that a week or two ago, too. All right. Okay, that brings us to the main meat of the show. That was rather quick. So, yeah, I think uh, some of you may have seen earlier this week an uh, undocumented debugger tool called UI Debugging Information Overlay was uh, discovered and posted about, and people have tried it out. Uh, what it is is, uh, sorry, testing or debugging, and there's an incantation to bring it up and, and to take it away, and it creates an overlay over top of your, your app, and you can drill down through the hierarchy of, of elements that Apple's bringing. You guys had a look at this, right? Well, the article, not the actual thing. Um, I'm sorry, I might have misheard you, Tim. He's talking about here looking at a at um, a UI window subclass created by Apple. He says, right? Yeah. So, so I think the the actual thing, the overlay, is a private API, right. but it's not used for looking at other private APIs. It's look, it's used for looking at the regular stuff and debugging your your the legitimate uh, APIs that your app is using. But the particular overlay, this this UI element, uh, the UI debugging information overlay, is a private API, so you can't ship that with your app. Right. But this is sort of, a, I guess this is sort of a shortcut to, like, the view debugger that we've been using for the last couple of years, right? Yeah, I think I think that's all it is, is a short t- shortcut to a whole bunch of things. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I think... Um, this is something I would like to get a chance to try out when I get a little bit of downtime. If nothing else, for the spec compare screen, where you can take a screenshot off of your device, let's say like a, a UI mock that your designer has given you, and then it will overlay that over your your view. And so you can change the opacity and sort of like see like how close am I to actually matching up for all of these different alignments? You know, is this font the right size? Is this label in the right spot? Is this image the right aspect ratio? That that would be super nice. That that is something that is uh, yeah somewhat tricky to do if you're trying to be sort of pixel perfect, even in a in an auto layout world. It'd be really cool if you could add your own things to this as well, custom tools that you that you like to use. Yeah, hopefully they make this you know at some point eventually an officially supported debugging tool. Otherwise, I guess you you possibly could tinker with this through like extensions and subclassing and stuff. But then mm-hmm. you're you're kind of always at the mercy of Apple removing or changing it, and then you got to go investigate what happened. All right, so how many you got something here about Riddle? Yes, this is something that came out probably not that long after we recorded the wait, show. Wait, 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 time out. I still need a document. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see a, a request there. I did. I oh, can you send me the link? Oh, okay, yeah, right, fine. That. Sure, okay, I'll do that. It's the same same link every week, you know. <laughs> All right, I'm going to bookmark it this time. Okay. Yeah, or if you 
favorite it on in Google Docs, you can always get to it, even if you're on a different machine and, and your bookmarks aren't uh, synced anyway. Hmm. Did not know that. No way. Surprisingly, collaboration is one of the few things that Google Docs does really well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for all of its one many of flaws. <laughs> yeah, for all of its yeah. many flaws, it does it outstandingly. Sorry, Tammy. Well, that's coming up. Uh, Tim and I are using the... Was it iCloud document sharing for Keynote for the presentation that we're going to be putting on? So we'll see how that goes. Seems like it's okay Mm -hmm. so far. But even then, my distrust of it made me ask Tim. I was like, Tim, I see all these slides (laughs) that look like a previous (laughs) previous presentation you did. Was that intentional or did iCloud, you know, mangle these things together? Yeah, yeah. Have you added anything to the document yet or tried to? Uh, yeah, I, I think I tinkered with my email address, and I, I don't oh, think okay, I've added right, a yeah. new slide yet. I was, I was trying to sort of grok what was going on with the format. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. When I open it, it says connecting here, and then uh, then it lets me develop it. So I tend to use iCloud for my keynote so that if I'm sitting on the bus and I think of something, I can quickly just open it up and you know tap in a few uh, slides and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I just put some placeholder stuff in there. And I, I like, there's some slides I always like to have in my show in my in my slide, so that maybe what threw you off, right? So I was going to say for you, those of you driving at home, Jaime and I are giving a talk at uh, 360i Dev in August, end of August, or beginning of August, I guess, middle of August, called "Being a Better Developer by Talking," and uh, so we're going to be riffing back and forth on that. Tickets are now available. Yep. What's taking you guys so long? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the early birds one are, but then hotel reservations are being taken and flights are being booked, and their T-shirts will be be there to be had. So. <laughs> okay, so Riedel, hit us. So Riedel has a suite of uh, productivity apps, but that's not really the important thing. The important thing here is how they've come up with this sort of cool hack for doing multitasking on the iPad. So in this case, if you have two of their apps in side-by-side mode uh, on your iPad, you can do drag and drop between those two apps which you know is one of those things that people are asking for on their their wish list uh it's perhaps spoilers for the rest of this episode but um you know for WWDC but in this case i think it's a really cool sort of convincing solution here now, of course there's caveats it doesn't let you arbitrarily drag and drop because it, it's not supported by the operating system but in this case it's kind of wickedly smooth how they drag from one document you know, list and then you can see uh, like a little thumbnail underneath your finger moving along smoothly. And then as it starts to cross the little like border between the apps, you know, the one that has the black line and the little handle. So you can change the the width of the side-by-side apps and you see the document go underneath uh, partially and then completely goes over to the other app. And there you go, drag and drop. So I thought that was really cool. And I would love to see that you know, officially supported on iOS and, and kudos to these developers for, for coming up with their solution to sort of get around that system limitation. Yeah. They must be using the shared directory thing that you can have between um, apps. Um, but didn't we see something like this from Apple though? Didn't Apple have something like you could drag in between iWork apps where you could drag an image into, into like a pages document and stuff like that. Didn't they have that? I thought they had with the multitasking. Possibly. And and in that case, it's almost certainly some sort of, you know, internal private API that Apple has and not something that's open to developers in general. Right, right. So you're saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd originally thought when I saw this video, I was like, oh, they probably did use the, you know, app containers 
the grouping. So like, oh, okay. So they probably say, okay, as soon as I start dragging, send the name of the document and a copy of the document and the coordinates and, and maybe some sort of vector of where it's going so that the other app can sort of receive that in some sort of way. And subsequent to this, I don't think it's listed in this article. Somewhere else I'd heard that they are actually embedding a, a small little web server in their app, or I guess apps in this case, so that when something is happening, the uh, the apps are uh, either you know polling for events coming through that web server, uh, sort of local to the device. So let's say like um, app uh, A on the left uh, has fired up a little server that says, "Hey, uh, if anybody starts dragging, dropping stuff, I'll, I'll let you know." And app B on the right, you know, either polling or maybe there's like a web socket connection or something. I really don't know the implementation, but it, it still makes sense to me. It says, "Okay, well, let me check every you know few seconds to see if there's anybody." Um, any content available for me. And then eventually it says, oh yeah, there is available. Great. Where's that coming from? Okay. Let me go grab that, you know, thumbnail so I can show it on my side when it becomes ready, check the vector, see when these things are going to intersect because the, you know, the side-by-side snap mode is sort of like there's known orientations. It's not a uh, multi-window where multiple is more than two in this case. So I can kind of envision how I might prototype out this sort of thing myself. So yeah, it actually doesn't need, doesn't need to be that complicated. You could just use a deep link for that. Uh, just just go through you know the um, the 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 old way of of launching another app with uh, with a URL and just passing information through the URL. You just happen to have both apps open side by side, and and you just pass information back and forth that way. That might not be the fastest way. But uh, but I think it would be doable. It's interesting though. This is this is the kind of thing that a couple of years ago would have been just completely impossible to do, and now here we are coming up with three or four different ways of doing it. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Neat. And that takes us to your next piece, Tommy. Yeah, this is a really quick hit here about Amazon adding shoppable stickers to its iOS app. So for some bizarre reason, and I'm I'm still trying to understand exactly why they decided to do this. If you go into Amazon's app for iOS. And you go in and you choose the little camera mode. You can sort of take pictures of stuff and put stickers on that picture. In this case, the stickers are products that Amazon itself is is selling. So if like an example they show here in the article, if you wanted to imagine what your room might look like with this particular lamp and this particular chair, you can take sticker versions of it and put it in there and sort of arrange it. And uh, I don't know, amuse yourself, uh, send it to your loved ones, uh, <laughs> sort of get their opinion before you buy it. And, and, and I, you know, or hint before your when your birthday's coming up. <laughs> yeah, and and it's kind of weird because it's not really augmented reality AR in the traditional sense. I mean, these are obviously stickers. They have a, a thick white border around them, as you might have if you got you know one of those fat head stickers that has like your favorite baseball player or something and shoved it on the wall. It looks kind of like that. And again, I don't understand completely why they did this, but I think it kind of goes along with the theme that we saw from Facebook, Snapchat, and Google around the use of AR in many circumstances in this case a weirdo one but one nonetheless you said you had to use the little camera thing because i wonder if that's a u.s only thing i've, I've noticed that there's, there's a couple of features in the if i switch countries i get different uh from features available to me Oh, that's the camera thing. I see what you're saying. Yeah, before they've they've put th- things for searching, for example, like the um, I think they used to call it Firefly or something on the Fire Phone. I can't remember what it's called in the iOS app, where you could show it a, a product and it will look up through its database and it's like, oh, that's a pair of you know Nike Air Jordans, and here they are for sale. Or the package X-ray, we're like, okay, it's Christmas time. There's a bazillion different boxes here. Which one is the one that's for me, and which one's the one that's you know for my roommate or other things? Before, you know, before you go cracking them open, and it would let you scan the the boxes um 
shipping label and then it would show you, oh, yeah, here's little bubbles of like, oh, that one's the one that has, you know, the dog sweaters or this is the one that has the Xbox 360 in it and, and so forth. So they're they're adding more to their sort of camera features within the app. Um, and it's a little strange because it is a, you know, a retail app, um, you know, e-commerce type app. But I think this is sort of the, the name of the game of these things going forward that we start integrating more of these different kinds of media into sort of non-typical app usages that we would think of. And I, I again, spoilers for the rest of this episode at some point, I, I do think this hints a little bit as to where Apple might go in the future. If not this WWDC, then perhaps the next one. You're talking about the AR route or the stickers route? Because they did that last year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was thinking the AR route, but yeah, I'd forgotten about the sticker packs idea. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, the reason why we wanted to have everybody on the show as many voices as we could this today was uh, we're just recording just before uh, the WWDC keynote, which happens next Monday. This is Wednesday, May 31st, for recording. And uh, Greg, unfortunately, couldn't be with us. He's a f- a fast asleep in somewhere in Spain, I think. So, but uh, so we have Tammy and Mark and Jaime to sort of talk about what we think is going to be coming up in WWDC. And one of the first things I just quickly put here was uh, I found a, an image this week online uh, in my Twitter feed that shows. And, and as I'm reading this article, I'm noticing that these are renderings; they're not actual photographs, but they're renderings of compi- compiled from various um, leaked shots that are out there. But of note to me is in the center of the back of the case or the, the shell for the, for the new iPhone eight is a hole about the side of size of a touch ID sensor. And uh, Mark was talking about, and I were talking about the fact that um, we would feel pretty bad if, if Apple couldn't pull off uh, touch ID under the, the glass and had to compromise and put the touch ID on the back of the, the phone. Well, yeah, this, this is, nothing official this picture so sure hopefully it's not anything real but but uh on the positive side well yes i, I mean i would i would be very disappointed if the touch id ended up back there because it's to me it seems very unnatural there yeah uh, for sure. but this this other stuff that could be uh without it actually being uh touch id i mean i could you know there, there's talk of the the camera being completely different maybe there'll be i don't know maybe the camera will, will have a nice huge lens sticking out the back or something like that or or maybe it would be some kind of uh just thinking off the top of my head some kind of like a heartbeat sensor like the watch has oh maybe or, yeah or, hmm. you know there's all sorts of things it could be it doesn't have to be a touch id back there i did notice that the the camera is the the on the current iphone 7s there's dual cameras on the back and they're used for doing the portrait mode and things like that but um uh and they're they're um if you hold the phone in, in sort of portrait mode, they're beside each other in landscape mode. And what they've done here is, or according to what some of the sh- screens I've seen, is, is it looks like they're turning that uh, apparatus 90 degrees. And I think that would be more natural for taking f- photographs myself because I tend yeah, to hold my yeah. iPhone sideways like a like a Instamatic camera, if you will. Uh, for those of you who remember who Instamatic cameras are. But, you know, <laughs> Unfortunately, I do. Yeah, so it, it, I think it might make a better better um, sense of, of uh, I mean, because, you know, one of the reasons why human beings and, and most animals see as we do is because we have two eyes and they're slightly uh, offset from each other. But on a horizontal plane, so that our, I guess our brains can figure out uh, distances and do triangulation and stuff like that without having to use math, right? So um, I think that's an interesting thing, interesting development, turning the camera sideways. Mm-hmm. 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 
Although so dual cameras optimistic. on the front would be nice, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic that uh, that the Touch ID will stay where it is. It'll be <laughs> amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other prognostications of what we're going to see next week? I mean, well, I think so it, I think related to this particular body, if you don't if you don't mind me saying, like I going to bet very strongly that it is the touch id sensor because it's sort of in the right spot for yeah i'm assuming this is a seven plus or a plus size model we're talking about so that would be pretty easy to reach for just about any hand size i would guess it's for those of you driving at home if you can imagine where the apple logo is on a seven plus model and you went down i don't know an inch maybe an inch and a half just south of there and put a little circle just imagine your home button being there I think that's where it's going to end up being. I mean, it could be wrong. It could be, you know, some sort of sonar device for indoor location mapping or something, right? Where, you know, it uses echolocation or something to, <laughs> to sort of figure out where... I mean, I don't know. It, it could well be, right? Like, uh, what do I know? I'll find out like everybody else. I, I'm not I'm not going to be too disappointed if it's on the back. I, I do look at the way I use my phone, and sometimes I will have it, you know, laying down on the table, or perhaps I might have it in a little... And I have a little cheap stand that holds it up. And if I want to use the device, I'll just, you know, press the front of it. And, and now it'll be slightly less convenient that I'll have to actually lift up the device and then, you know, enable the touch ID sensor with, you know, on the back. But that's okay. I mean, if, if there's other nice trade-offs like the rumored, uh, I don't even know what to call it, like a touch bar-ish style thing for a virtual button and or buttons on the bottom of the phone. I think I'd be okay with that trade-off. My question, Tammy, regarding that, that image of the iPhone supposed rendering of an iPhone 7, 8, whatever the next version is, body. Uh, does this excite you enough to, to change your mind of famously that you have decided not to get another iPhone? No, dude, I'm going back to a flip phone. I'll give. You and, you and Mark's dad, yeah. Mm-hmm. You and my, yeah. But cool. it's got a touch ID sensor on the back or a sonar sensor or a blowhole for <laughs> playing the wind <laughs> instruments. <laughs> No, dude, Ejecting blow water. hole is not going to make me do it. Interesting. Um, I, I think I make one phone call a week, if that. How often do you guys use your phones as phones? Once a week, maybe oh, once every geez. two weeks when I call my folks. Yeah. If that oh, even. A few times a week. I don't know. Mark, did you just say a few times a week? A few times a week, sure, yeah. So let's clarify that. So when you say as a phone, Tim, when I heard that, I heard using the actual phone app function and critically not using Skype on the on the iPhone, not using you know alternatives right. like Line, right. Kakao, like just things that can do voice over IP, do, 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 just do, playing boom. the green yeah. icon yeah. phone app that's pre-installed. Yeah. In and I'm not I'm not counting the yeah. five calls or ten calls a week you get a day from recruiters. I'm talking about just you know your wife calls you and you answer the phone and you have a conversation. Maybe once or twice a month. Maybe. Really? Yeah. Oh. I am a bad use case for this, though. I think I think it's the case for a lot of people. I mean, I everybody at our office has devices, and I very rarely see people actually talking on them. They're just you know they're they've got the two fun, two thumbs going, and they're doing whatever it is they do, right? With their smartphones, not their phone phones. So I mean, like, if I got a flip phone, it would be wasted because I don't I don't make that many calls anymore. I use Twitter and we text. Carol and I text each other all day long, kind of thing, you know. 
Well, among the other things that people are uh, anticipating is we're, I think everybody's pretty clear we're going to get an iOS 11. Um, what's going to be in that specifically is going to be hard to say. We're thinking also that we're going to get a Mac OS 10.13 or 10.13. And some people are guessing a watch OS 4 and a watch, uh, sorry, TV OS 11. Are we up to 11 on TV? Yeah, they match the, the versions of iOS. Because I think it's, oh, it's, okay. it's okay. a variant of iOS, and it's pretty close in the way it runs things. So what do you think we'll see in iOS 11? What, what do you think? The, what are your guesses? Augmented reality? and Well, I, I'm thinking a little bit more than just iOS 11, just overall from Apple. I'm, I'm thinking there's going to be, this, this should be no surprise to anyone who's listened to the show before. Uh, I'm thinking that they're, they're starting to make a move big time into machine learning and, and AI. And, and I say this for a bunch of reasons. Uh, one, they they just recently, well, if not officially announced, but there's strong rumors that they're going to be making their own chip, uh, kind of along the lines of, of the Google chip we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it seems, uh, which will be a you know a parallel uh, graphic you know GPU style chip used for for doing very very fast, very very uh, high uh, density calculations that are used for things like neural networks. Uh, that's tied in. I think, uh, although it's all speculation, with the renewed interest in the Mac Pro, the high-speed desktop for professionals, although that won't be probably available at WWC, but it shows renewed interest at Apple for high-performance, high-speed computing. Uh, And and this enables lots of things, like, for example, AR, uh, and uh, other things like um, if, if we do see the uh, the you know, Apple's version of the Alexa or Echo, uh, then uh, you know you need some pretty serious machine learning to interact with that type of device. So so it enables all these things. So so I think it's it's a natural progression. Everybody's doing it, uh, and uh, Apple is, is pretty well positioned to to make some moves in that direction. So I think we'll see that. So in, okay, so in iOS 11, that means new new APIs for doing machine learning stuff, neural networks. Okay, sorry. Okay, so for me, the things that I'm semi-predicting and with varying degrees of, of, of certainty here, I think some sort of augmented reality solution, I think that, that really jives with what I'm thinking as well, um, going along with the notion of machine learning and, and a lot of the stuff that they've added, particularly with their own sort of flavor of that differential privacy aspect, right, as a key differentiator between their solution and, let's say, Google and, and Facebook as obvious competitors. Um, I don't know that this necessarily means that AR kit, if you were to give it a name, is you know foretelling a device, but it could certainly you know, set the, uh, the a stepping stone towards having a some sort of AR-enabled sort of thing, whether that's using your iPhone or some other standalone device. I don't know, and that's really hard to speculate. But I do think something like what Google has with its Google Lens or Facebook has with the Facebook camera platform, where either they're going to let you sort of understand the world, which is what Google is trying to do, where you show the camera, you know, some restaurant and it says, oh, that's, you know, Luigi's Pizza and here's their phone number and here's the, you know, Yelp reviews telling you how good their particular pizza is. Or if it's to overlay the world, like Facebook cameras thing of, um, you know, let's do Snapchat style uh, filters and effects on your face or put, you know, funny creatures in the background of your photos. Kind of think it might be a little bit of A and a little bit of B. Um, just sort of Apple's own spin on it, I think. Um, another thing, I think going along with the Siri speaker idea that people are talking about, uh, 
people who have been listening to the show or shouldn't be surprised that that would be one of my picks just out of no other reason than the fact that I obviously want it to be true. I wish and hope that it becomes true. I'm definitely into the virtual assistant sort of realm with owning the Amazon Echo and the Google Home. And as folks have pointed out, um, you know, there is some precedence for this, uh, for some of the things Apple has, right? They, they made the iPod hi-fi before, so they've made high quality speakers before and they own Beats, you know, a, you know, audio right. yeah. company. So it kind of makes sense that they might you know, deliver something that has high quality audio. Well, the Echo and the Home, they're okay, you know, if you use them in their standalone mode, but they're they're not what I would call high-quality audio. So the, I think this is something that Apple could bring to the table of like, hey, put this thing in your living room and enjoy the parties. And, of course, uh, integrate with Siri to do all sorts of things, you know, run HomeKit, uh, integrate with your Apple TV and say, hey, followed by the word Siri, play the latest, you know, episode of uh, House of Cards, right? And it should just know that that's on Netflix and it should just start playing it for you right now. Why not? Um, I do think that this might lead a little bit into sort of my other thing that I'm hoping goes along with that is advanced sort of integration with the ecosystem. From a developer standpoint, if we were to have what I'm going to call an advanced cloud kit, where right now cloud kit is largely predicated on the idea of uh, storage of information, right? I send it some bits, I retrieve some bits, maybe I do some other things, you know, use it for continuity handoff kind of stuff. But there's been so much you know, going on in the world of, you know, server-side Swift that, you know, with Keturah from IBM and Vapor and Perfect that I'm starting to think, you know, if you look at the landscape of uh, Amazon Web Services with its Lambda, uh, Google Cloud Functions, IBM's OpenWhisk, there's a lot of stuff out there that will host these kind of uh, assistant services or skills, what have you, that, that the Echo and the Google Home use. So if you were to offer a platform for developers, uh, a series speaker, it would make sense to me to have like, you know what, instead of having Node.js, which, you know, I'm not going to slam JavaScript too much because, you know, there's a heaping pile of criticism out there in the, in the <laughs> world, developer world for JavaScript. So I don't really have anything original to add there. But by golly, wouldn't it be great to use server-side Swift hosted on Apple's servers so that, you know, they can sort of ensure uh, not only, you know, quality and safety, that sort of thing, but also really push Swift yeah. on the server and, you know, give you a revenue stream, right? Like they, they can probably give you some amount uh, for free just to sort of get your stuff off the ground. But, you know, service is becoming so much more important at Apple for their bottom line. You know, why should that money go to Amazon or Microsoft or Google or IBM? Or, or the, the ad money go to Google. Yeah. Why not yeah. have that yeah. be, be served too there, right? You're, you can, you know, add another page to iTunes Connect here. You know, let me handle my series speaker skills. Yeah. So I think that's that's something that I... I think might be released at WWC. I think it's less likely than the other things I talked about, but uh, I sure yeah. hope to see it happen. Yeah, I was predicting something like that a couple of years ago, and it never, unfortunately, happened. But I'd love to see it happen. So what do you think about, I don't know if you talked about this, but the, the expansion of Siri Kit, where currently it only has a few um, modes where it works. I forget what they call them, but um, it's, it's kind of limited in terms of how far it goes, how deep it goes. Do you think it's going to be opened up even more, especially with this Siri smart speaker idea coming up? Like, do you think from a framework point of view, we'll have more access to it? Uh, yeah, I, I think they'll, yeah, I think they'll do, there'll be a, a constant evolution, pretty much like what, what Apple does with, with, you know, any new framework that comes out. I'm not expecting anything super groundbreaking though from it, at least not this time. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not really expecting it. <laughs> Yeah, Javi, it's interesting what you what you said what you said about the high, high fidelity uh, music. Uh, given that th there was a rumor a few months back that Apple was talking to 
I can't remember the name of it, but it's Jay-Z's music service. Um, Tidal? Is that what you're talking about? Tidal, yeah, yeah. There was a rumor that that Apple might acquire Tidal. Uh, and you know, Tidal's whole thing is that it's it's high, high quality audio, right? So, so I'm not I'm not suggesting that they actually will, but but if if Apple was talking to people, that means that they were they had some internal interest in it, and you know maybe they've made a a buy versus build decision, and 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 they have built built some some high quality audio systems that they'll roll out. Be interesting. No, I was going to say just on another point is there was a bunch of commercials that were on the air uh, last couple of months promoting st- um, stickers, right? And and we kind of all kind of looked at stickers kind of oddly. Uh, do you think there's going to be more progression in that sort of world? Do you think it's really take? I, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, right? But but yeah, you know. I, I hope not. But no, it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> right. So I think that brings me to my my next thing that I was thinking might be announced at WWDC, and then I'll sort of have a theme to, to, to why I decided to add this as a, a pick of what I think is going to happen. So if, you know, watchOS is at the point at which, you know, people are reasonably okay with the performance of it, right? It it, it lasts long enough for, I think, the vast majority of cases. I'm going to step out a little bit on a limb here, especially if you're using, you know, um, one of the newer devices, and presumably Apple will release a new device sometime this year, probably in the fall for uh, a new Apple Watch, uh, multiple editions of that. And I think it's about time that they start offering third-party watch faces. And I think that's sort of my my dark horse pick of this might be the chance that Apple will decide to let you develop third-party watch faces for the watch. I don't know the mechanisms by which they will let you do that, but you know, if they had this sort of thing... I predict that, assuming they allow you to charge for it, of course, I think this could be... Well, I was going to say, there doesn't seem to be any mechanism for charging for a watch watch apps right now. That's the... Right, but that's not a technical thing. That's Apple's business thing, right? Tim Cook could snap his fingers and tomorrow night it'd be like, oh, guess what? By the way, everybody can charge for apps. And and heck, as long as we're going into fantasy world, he might as well say, and by the way, the minimum for every watch app is like $99. I I don't know, right? That's Apple's (laughs) Apple's business. It's their rule. It's not like, oh no, we can't figure out a technical way to do this. But coming back to the the watch faces and where I ended up started thinking more about this is that uh, last year with the sticker packs uh, and and even the the content blockers, let's not forget about that whole ordeal, mm. right? The Safari content blockers; those were examples for sort of the the money ball side of independent software development. Where uh, I'm not going to trivialize; I'm not going to say that it doesn't take effort to build these things. Of course, it does, especially if you put more polish in them. The return on investment for those was super high. Uh, you know, in the case of sticker packs, if you already had high quality assets that were about the right size, um, you you had you didn't even have to do code, right? We, we, we talked about that, the fact that you just like take a dump of your assets, throw it into this particular template, and boom, you've got a sticker pack. You can charge however much money you want. Um, uh, certainly less effort than spending uh, even a weekend building an app, which would be a rather difficult thing to do, right? You did probably spend at least a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months building a you know, high quality professional app, but creating a high quality professional sticker pack lot lower of a barrier to do that. And I think that watch faces, depending on how that implementation works, might be a really easy way to get there. I don't know. Might not happen, hmm. but I could kind of see a way that it could happen. Well, and speaking of third-party content, uh, the other elephant in the room is, is the Apple TV. Uh, we know that Carpool Karaoke is is going to be released uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, has, you know, It's not coincidental, I think, that it's 
that it's coming out the week of WWDC, maybe even the day of WWDC. So, yeah, it was delayed last week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we uh, we could see a lot more activity there in original content from Apple, uh, and uh, maybe some big improvements in in the tvOS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think folks are starting to predict that a new device will come out that supports 4K. That makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense to me. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. if you pull these things together, right? If you start thinking about like how does Apple Music, where if you extend Apple Music to the video programming that they're doing, like the uh, carpool. Was it Carpool Karaoke? Yeah. You know, and um, uh, Planet of the Apps, their original program that they're doing there, this like reality TV show. Yeah. Those sorts of things. You can imagine sort of the, how that ecosystem works where, you know, you wake up, you ask your Siri speaker to, you know, maybe it wakes you up for all I know, right? It wakes you up to like, I don't know, uh, it's something lovely like the uh, Groundhog's Day theme. If, if you're into that movie, um, yeah. it could. Then he uses HomeKit to start your coffee in the morning. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you might say, you know, uh, if let's say there's like a live TV package of some sort, you might say, Siri, play me, you know, the latest news from uh, whatever your, your broadcasting packages, right? It's going to vary your com- your country of origin. Uh, it could be, hey, uh, you know, I really need some giggles to make me you know, get going in the morning. So play the latest episode of Carpool Karaoke. Um, it could be, oh, um, you know, I need to get ready for this sort of thing. I'm going to do a little bit of uh, exercise to get the blood pumping in the morning. He, Siri via Apple Music, play the latest from Drake, right? Because Drake is, you know, just won a, a music award. You can see so on and so forth how this stuff works. And in terms of what Apple might bring to the capability, I think it's everything we just talked about there, right? It's this whole ecosystem of products and if nothing else, the, the one thing that the other competitors can't do, um, you know, no, regardless of the actual merits of the Amazon Echo and the Google Home, uh, these Cortana speakers, all sorts of things that are coming out. Um, even Andy Rubin, the former uh, head of Android, has come out with, uh, what is it, Essential, the Essential Phone, Essential OS, Ambient OS stuff. The thing they can't do that Apple can do is they can't integrate deeply into your iPhone experience, right? So you can imagine, you know, continuity and handoff type stuff being done where the speaker might tell you, oh, uh, you should leave about five minutes early today because it looks like traffic is getting really bad. And I have sent you alternate routes to take in order to shave off a few more minutes from your commute right to your iPhone seamlessly, right? There's other things that people have done like, oh, it gets into a push notification. Great. That's fantastic. But Apple can put it right there on your home screen because they control that experience. They control the platform. So regardless of whether Siri key opens up or not, uh, that'd be great if it's as open as Amazon's or as sort of uh, great at natural language processing as Google's. In either case, just the fact that it is Apple's ecosystem and they control top to bottom that vertical stack, that's what Apple brings to the table. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's in the same way that Google really owns the business ecosystem, right? You go to a company, mm-hmm. people are using the word processor, the spreadsheet, and, and, and Gmail. And I mean, they, they own the ecosystem there. And in fact, when I talk to people who use Android, one of the biggest reasons for sticking with Android is the fact that they're so immersed in the Google ecosystem that... And, and Android just works so seamlessly with that that they couldn't even think about going to, to anything else. So it, if, if what you're saying pans out, it looks like Apple is, is aiming for the, the, the life ecosystem or the personal life ecosystem mm-hmm. where everything not, non-work-related, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of an interesting concept. It's kind of where it's always sort of been because, I mean, Microsoft used to own the office, right? And Apple had right. the iLife products and stuff like that, right? 
So, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I want to bring a, I want to bring this uh, really close to home for us, and that is, um, I guess, about a year ago or maybe six months ago, Apple announced that they would start uh, creating a page, like a, an app page for podcasts. And one of the things that they've done, uh, they're doing at WWDC, is they have an event where you can go and register at you know seven a.m. on Monday morning to have sixty minutes of recording time at during while you're at WWDC. And I don't know if that's for people attending the conference or if it's open to uh, people outside. But um, it's kind of interesting that, that Apple seems to be putting a push on, uh, I, I know from some of my uh, my uh, entertainment uh, clients that there's a push on Apple Music, uh, getting content on there, and there's also a push on, on uh, podcasts. What do you think about um, Apple like last, you know, last year they brought out more metrics for uh, app developers, so we could see what you know people are looking at on the store. Currently, with iTunes, we get no feedback whatsoever as to how our shows are performing. We we use other mechanisms to get metrics on that. But um, what do you guys think about uh, about that? Did you know about that, or had you heard anything about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, but no more than what you just said. Uh, <laughs> well, it, I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt that podcasting has grown in the past year or two significantly. So. So it's it's sort of no surprise that Apple uh, is is getting more involved in it. Uh, I, I don't know that the that the event at WWC is signifying any major shift in in uh, you know in a product or a or a philosophy or anything like that. But uh, but I think I think it's just kind of a fun thing. You know, it's good PR, good press for everybody. Well, what just if Apple's been working action. on a sort of a modified GarageBand? Because some people start doing podcasts in GarageBand. What if they come up with a product that, like an app, for instance, that allows people to create and produce podcasts? Is that is that a stretch? You think, or it's possible? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what Apple gets out of that from a business point of view, um, unless they, you know, if they, uh, well, are thinking of. Well, you know, here, here's one thing. So there, there's a rumor that they're that they're going to split up iTunes into different pieces. They'll split off the, you know, mm-hmm. the music from the video content. Maybe right. they'll have a, a version just that's just for for podcasts, and this would work with that to to enable more content. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, no, in the in the sense of the the whole move towards enabling users to create content and and produce content and and distribute content. Uh, in the same way that they did for developers to be able to do that with apps, mm-hmm. uh, then then this would this would lend into the, if it would feed into that. Well, it kind of fits so, it fit into the services side too, right? In some ways, right. like if I look at right. if I look at the metrics for the show for the our show, and I normally we talk about this offline, but I'm talking about it online this time. Is fifty percent of our listeners use the podcast app from Apple to listen to our show? So there obviously is if and if we're a, an example of a podcast that's out there. Perhaps uh, Apple's decided that they're going to move move into supporting uh, podcasting a bit more than they have in the past because we were yeah, uh, podcasting was an accidental thing that came out of the iPod, right? Right, right. Here, here's an interesting thought: what if what if Apple is planning to dethrone YouTube, right, as a as a platform of uh, users being able to, to produce their own content and distribute it? Doesn't just have to be music. So there could be there could be podcasts, there could be spoken word stuff, there could be of course it could be music, could be videos. Uh, this this could go along with that rumor of, uh, you know a few months back about Apple's new social network. Right, Maybe yeah. this is this is the form it would take. 
just completely thinking out loud here now. I know we were just we were just talking to a, a, a gentleman who produces uh, videos and and does live streaming, and he has an, a, a large following on YouTube, and that's why he stays with that platform. But I mean, again, it's kind of like that ping. What was it ping they had before, where they tried to create a social yeah. networking around music, but um, and that died a horrible death. But uh, um, yep. maybe they've gone back and re- recalculated and restructured something. Yeah, oh, but that was that was kind of misguided. That was you know you were going to follow your your favorite rock stars and try to be friends with your favorite rock stars. And that was never going to Right, take right, off. right, right. Because yeah. <laughs> darn it, Mick Jagger, why do you never respond to me? <laughs> <laughs> Thought we were friends, buddy. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, as you were talking about this stuff, it, it feels like some of these light bulbs are, are sort of happening here in, in my head where yeah. I'm like, oh, Okay. Okay. So, so let me address a couple of things that I think I just heard. So one around podcasts, I, I could see that happening because they have, uh, recently rebranded the podcast to be like Apple podcasts. And there's like a special badging that you can put on your website now. And which you could find on our website, by the way. Oh yes. Yes. That's true. MTJC.FM. Go check it out. Um, and the fact that they are hosting that, uh, studio time as a lab session. And, and, and there has been some discussion about, sort of, you know, who's the audience for this. And uh, I think Joe, Joe Chaplinsky, a friend of the show, has uh, tweeted about that, and he's had a little bit of a blog post about that. I think my take on it is that it's probably for newcomers to the podcasting industry. So this isn't for, you know, Dan Benjamin. It's not for Leo Lepore. It's not for NPR, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, the large established players. It's not even for the sort of, uh, sort of everyday podcasters uh, such as us, right? Like we are, we're certainly not new to this. This is episode 146, right? We've been doing this for quite some time, uh, nearly what, three years now. Uh, so I don't think it's quite for us as in, you know, if we were all going to WDC, it would be super convenient to not have to bring our equipment and use Apple's you know, professional <laughs> equipment. Maybe ask mm-hmm. them, like, hey, what did you guys do here? Uh, great. I don't think we're the audience. I think this is more for the newcomers to it who were, were thinking about it. You know, they're not really sure how to get started. That's the sort of thing that labs, I think, are really good for. And, and giving mm-hmm. you that high quality experience of like, you know, we, we spent a lot of time outside of this show sort of figuring out like, like, what microphone setup are you using? Oh, I'm not really happy with what I've got here. What other stuff could we use? Um, having that be set up for you so you, you, you feel happy. It, it's sort of like those tutorials that start you out with like an example project and you go and tweak it so that you can you can have something successful by the end of the day, right? I think this is the developer equivalent of the today at Apple stuff that we discussed last week, right? Where they're going to host stuff at their different um, Apple stores where, you know, come learn how to do photography or learn how to do music, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Here for developers, it sort of makes sense. Like, hey, uh, come learn how to do podcasting and and maybe they might have some other stuff with it, right? Tim, you mentioned the uh, maybe the analytics side, uh, maybe right. hosting. Uh, that's one thing that notably, you know, if you're looking for podcasts in iTunes or the podcast app, the directory is there. But that stuff is coming from our own servers, right? We, we are serving up um, that actual content. All Apple has really is just the index of the RSS feeds is, is what right. it comes yep. down to yep. under the covers. And uh, sort of coming along to this, so, so uh, sorry, not Tim, Mark, you had mentioned the YouTube idea, which initially I thought, huh, that's, that's kind of a hard problem because, you know, YouTube is such an entrenched player. But yep. there is a weakness that YouTube has. And something that Apple has also set up as a potential stepping stone there. So the weakness that YouTube has right now is that they're really uh, sort of clamping down on the whole monetization aspect where there are a fair number of, you know, especially larger 
producers of content they're just really not happy right like youtube has had this whole thing going on recently around oh it turns out that uh, some of the advertisers don't want their stuff being advertised in front of questionable content where questionable content might vary depending on what your political leanings are or your particular lifestyle happens to be like in any case has become much more restrictive and many more your producers like let's say uh, philip defranco as an example have decided you know what i'm still going to put stuff on youtube because it's such a large audience but i'm looking for alternative uh, monetary yeah. streams that i control that aren't at the whim of whatever google decides to do and there are other producers like oh we put it on youtube but we put it on youtube uh after a delay. Uh, so if you're a Patreon subscriber, come view us on Twitch or some other, you know, uh, home rolled service. Uh, that's when you get new updates. And then a day or two, maybe a week later, those of you on YouTube will get it for free. But you know, if you're a diehard fan, you can do that sort of thing. So that, that gives me sort of the hint yeah. of the, the weakness there. And we talked about, um, I don't know, maybe a couple months, uh, about a month and a half ago about Apple's clips app and we we're like what in the world is the whole point right, of this right that that's clips right. App <laughs> would be a great way as a stepping stone yep. towards produce content throw it up yeah. on the you know apple youtube for lack of a better name yeah yeah and go for it the more i think about this the more it makes sense if you think back 10 years ago apple pretty much created out of nowhere this platform for individuals like us sitting in their living room with just a computer to 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 build apps to produce Content have to be technical content in that in that case uh, you have to be a developer to do it. But I mean, there was there was never anything like that before, right? There was I mean, you could always sure you could always write software and try to sell it, but but this really brought it to the masses and it made it available to everyone, kids, you know, and anyone with an interest. So what if the next step for Apple, their next the next big thing, is to do the same thing for just general content providers or generators? So the you know the, the the type of people now I mean yeah sure the people are doing this already on, on YouTube and whatnot but but if if, if Apple puts their whole um, weight behind this 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 uh, process to make it just really easy to generate your own content and distribute it and share it it, it kind of fits with the way the world is going with social networking and whatnot and it also fits with a model that Apple has worked with before and and they and they do it pretty well they were a huge success at that. This it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. It makes a lot of sense to me the more I think about it. Hmm. Just hope we don't get Sherlocked. <laughs> Who? Us? The, the more than just code podcast getting Sherlocked by, by yeah, Apple? Yeah, by Apple, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, we, we should get acquired, hint, hint, Apple. <laughs> See, Tim, that's what I was telling you, man. Like People might call us sellouts, but we'll be the ones with the Ferraris and the yachts. So right, that's right. I think that's I'm okay right. with that moral choice. <laughs> Apple comes by and like... I was going to say, I must have missed my invite to the keynote uh, tomorrow or Monday. So <laughs> Yeah. All right. So that's the, uh, that's the end of our prognosticating for WWDC. We will find out, of course, um, cool. next week. Um, by the time... Yeah, this episode will come out before Monday. Yeah, it'll come out. So, to, uh, yeah, so people, hopefully people will be able to listen to it while they're in flight. Um, yeah. Looking or at possibly the, while they're in line. So um, yeah. I think it's, it's great to point out that, again, this is for entertainment purposes only. We don't have any insider no. knowledge. So uh, please don't try to do any sort of insider trading of Apple stock based on <laughs> <Sure>. this. Because <laughs> yeah. I'll be very happy if everything we, we talked about becomes true. And I'm more realistically hoping that you know, 25% of it comes true. Yeah. So as we recorded this four out, four days, 13 hours and 38 minutes left until the keynote. So by the time this comes out, there'll be two days and some hours left till the keynote. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. 
math. All right, so picks. We have some picks. Mark, do you have a pick? You don't have a pick, right? Well, my pick was going to be that article about uh, Colin, but uh, it got pulled into the main show, so... Okay, all right. Uh, that was my pick. Well, Jaime got uh, a couple of picks, so why don't you have at you? Yeah, the first one is a link to a Verge article about a working concept of a holographic Cortana assistant. So Cortana being the virtual assistant, uh, very similar to Alexa or Google Home, uh, the Google Assistant, I should say. Uh, But of course, in the Microsoft ecosystem, this person by the name of, where is it? Jerem Archer has produced a little, you know, sort of work from home concept where you can integrate with Cortana, but more critically, and, and I'm surprised that there isn't anybody actually doing this, seeing a holographic avatar for that character. Uh, for those of you who may not have played the Halo series or aren't aware of what's going on, Cortana gets her name from the character named Cortana, who is a artificial intelligent assistant who has a uh. holographic avatar that uh, the main character Master Chief talks to. And and this is really cool. So this it, this isn't a hologram per se, despite the title. It's that uh, the camera tricks, uh, sorry, uh, mirror tricks that people do. It has a specific name, but I don't recall what it is. Uh, if you ever played that old video game where, I don't know, I think Sega produced it where it's like a Wild West sort of thing and you have to choose the right sort of thing. Otherwise your guy gets shot or maybe you shoot the bad guy, that sort of thing. Uh, imagine something like that. But this looks really cool because... As you interact with the Cortana assistant, the 3D model uh, lights up in this, I don't know, what is it, like a blue pyramid, um, blue light uh, glass pyramid, and looks through information and then not only reads out to you what's happening, like in this case of the video, they asked for what's the weather going to be like. It sort of looks like Cortana is looking up the information through a little animation and then throws a little... Uh, screen that shows, you know, here's the actual content, you know, it's going to be 78 degrees Fahrenheit in Southern California, let's say. So I thought that was just kind of neat that somebody did this. I don't know what they used under the covers. Um, Not sure the hardware that's set up, but this is using the Windows 10 version of Cortana because that is available uh, for people to use. And the 3D uh, avatar was animated using Unity 3D, as well as motion capture from a pair of Microsoft Connect devices, and apparently right, this individual's wife provided uh, sort of the animation for that. So I thought that was really cool for for home rolled stuff, and I, I sure would love to see something like this because that's that's the kind of brand that you don't want to give up. And, and I can't believe Microsoft isn't doing this itself, but I, I think this is a cool fan project. Yeah, I think I think in the video he talked about using a small Windows 10 device to do this, and I think he actually is projecting, like you said, with the mirrors. I saw something like that at the uh, auto show in Toronto two years ago where they were projecting um, uh, using mirrors to make it look like something was floating in, in this above a, a podium, right? So kind of cool-looking stuff. Hard to video. What's your next pick? The next one is the set of conference videos from, I think this is UIConf? UIConf? I don't know how that's pronounced, but it's a iOS and Mac development conference from, uh, or that took place in Germany recently. And there's a whole slew of, it looks like there are two days worth of conference videos covering things like um, developing uh, good security practices for your apps. Uh, I think this one right here is on developing for Android. So kind of getting to see how the other half of the world lives. And uh, I have to admit, these are on my list. I have not had a chance to look at them all. Unfortunately, they're all, uh, looks like about half an hour in length, roughly. So, you know, might want to look at these while you're eating your breakfast or if you've got a break at lunch and then slowly absorb them. But just another set of content, you know, you know, for conferences. I think the one that I want to look at relatively soon is this one by Rob Napier on learning from mm-hmm. our, what is it, our forefathers or forebearers 
uh, or learning from our elders is what it's called and, and using sort of functional aspects in Swift, but without sort of going crazy about it and doing it in a Swift native sort of way. I've heard good things about that one. I think he's actually slated to talk at 360 iDev, if I'm not mistaken. So hmm. if I don't hmm. get around to, to seeing this on video, I'm definitely going to go watch that talk. For sure. Assuming it doesn't take place at the same time as ours. I didn't actually check the schedule to see if there's overlap. <laughs> right. Cool. Yeah, there's some people here. Um, Sarah Olson was at um, RWDevCon. I think uh, Jamie Newberry was there last uh, two years ago. Um, yeah, and of course, Chris Idov, who wrote the advanced uh, Swift book that we reviewed a while back, is also there in the videos. Okay, that's it for you. Coming up ahead is a spoilers for in Silicon Valley's episode three and four. So if you haven't seen those, skip ahead. So I, my, my pick is this new app from a company called Seafood Technologies Incorporated, and it uses uh, artificial intelligence. I thought, thought Mark would be really excited about this. Um, and basically what it allows you to do is it allows you to take a picture of uh, an object, and it'll tell you whether it's a hot dog or not a hot dog. And um, What will it say about it being an octopus? Oh, I don't know, but I, I was going to ask about that reference because I didn't get the the, uh, the octopus reference. But um, what uh, would it, what would it, what do you think it says about that? Well, you've seen the show, right? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah, but I, I don't so remember the, original, the reference. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The the, the original app that uh, that John Yang was was going to make was a uh, a seafood app. S e a f o o d. Right. And it was a bunch of recipes for seafood, including octopus. Right. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. And then in the uh, in the pit, well, we're spoiling the show for anyone who hasn't seen it. But in the, in the pitch, uh, Ehrlich came up with the interesting spin that it could be seafood, S-E-E food, where it would recognize different foods by taking a picture of it. Right, right. And noticeably, I noticed a friend of mine, Gemma, Bar- Gemma K. Barlow, on the Canadian app store, says, what's better than octopus? So, there yep. you go. Yep. I don't All think right. I see that on your page, too, but... Uh, Anyhow, um, there's, an, there's an interesting interview with, I was trying to find the reference to it, but um, so I linked another article here uh, about it, but there was an interview where, um, uh, what was it, uh, Bloomberg, I think, interviews Jin Yang about, uh, about his new app and uh, how he's releasing it. So it's sort of a play, uh, sort of side announcement to this, this particular app, which is kind of cool. So that's, that's my pick. Mm-hmm. Not Hot Talk. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny that they put this out. I wonder if they... Uh, you know, if they just put this together quickly based on the popularity of, of the show or, or mm-hmm. had they been working on this from the, you know, from when they first wrote the scripts a few months back. Oh, or, maybe, maybe. And are just planning the release. Or, or, I mean, for all we know, this has actually, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the with the show. I mean, the developers, it could have just been someone else who copied the idea. Probably not, though. No, no. It's too, it's too close. It's too close. Yeah, like I said, there's an interview with Jin Yang on, uh, I don't know if you've seen that, Mark, but... Um, no. Be actual like an like done up like a real interview, right? On um, okay, yeah, by Bloomberg, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. So oh, it does actually say okay. The seller is home box office. Oh, is it <laughs> HBO? Yeah, the, HBO, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, HBO. The 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 real name of HBO is home box office. Oh, home box office. Yeah, right. right. Home box office. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. That's a pretty clever thing. I wonder if it really works. For I don't know. Hot dogs. I don't know. It's free apparently. Yeah, and it yeah. works on iPad and iPhone, so it's a universal app. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. I was going to say it goes back to our very first show where we had Push for Pizza on there as a pick. That's right. That's right. That was the first second, show. Second show, maybe I think. Wow, 
early on. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was one of Jaime's pick. Oh, here's I found the uh, the uh, interview. I'll post it here. Yeah, I'd be curious to know whether this is using the machine learning stuff that that Mark has talked about uh, several times about you know being yeah. able to have a pre-trained model and then running the image recognition to see does this look like a hot dog? Could this reasonably be a hot dog? Right, right, right. Well, it, you know, from from a application of neural networks point of view, it's actually a pretty simple thing to do. It just takes a whole bunch of training uh, of the you know training of the of the network. So I'm, I'm sure it is. But is a bratwurst on a bun technically a hot dog or not a hot dog? Uh, that's a good question. Ooh, that's a good oh, question. Yeah, that, that's like uh, asking what a yeah. sandwich is. Let's get into John Syracuse territory. <laughs> uh, I, I would call that a hot dog for all intents and purposes, right? Like if you go and you get like. A Polish dog. It's still a type of hot dog to me, right? It's a right, right. tube-shaped, you know, hypothetically meat, uh, I would say. Um, having right, right. consumed many hot dogs, I am not convinced that there isn't uh, some percentage of you know, leathery shoe inside the hot dogs. More <laughs> <laughs> um, sawdust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Raccoon meat. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, I, think, I think they would be. If, you, if you're going to take bratwurst... And you're gonna throw on throw that into a hot dog bun. I think it's a hot dog, right? Mm-hmm. Man, this is a rather sad looking hot dog that they have here in the examples. <laughs> yeah, <shot>. yeah. <laughs> it's really just you know I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'll be generous and say it's like a ballpark Frank's or maybe an Oscar Mayer uh, mm-hmm. hot dog. Uh, I thought you were commenting on the lack of condiments on it or something like something like that. Yeah, that's a sad thing. I mean, okay, it's got that. It's not even you know like a full length sort of bun one. Right. It's got right. like a normal size bun that you buy for ninety nine cents. You know, mm-hmm. it's the knockoff store brand, and there's mm-hmm. there's nothing on it. The, the the app icon has this wonderful you know mustard that's that's been applied very carefully. Result, the bun yes. is yes. obviously yeah. toasted. It's got sesame seeds on there. Um, mm-hmm. That becomes a question. I have definitely created hot dog concoctions at the baseball stadiums that uh, might challenge whether this image recognition's ability to recognize whether it is a hot dog or not. Oh, you throw pickles on there or anything like that as well? Uh, relish, if you're talking about pickles. Corn, right, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah, our, street, our street vendors here, Wait, we, corn? we have this corn. Yeah, there's this corn relish. You've never had that? There's a relish made with I, corn. I think I have missed out. No. I, yeah, I, and there's also uh, sauerkraut. You can put sauerkraut on a hot dog. And, sauerkraut, yeah. And, bi- and pickles, Chicago, I mean, round I pickles, you know. Mustard, it's only course, a hot dog ketchup. if you have ketchup on it. <laughs> yes. You mean not as the only condiment, but as an additional condiment. Is that what I'm hearing? Right. No, right. the only condiment. The only condiment? Really? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't we... double fist with the, with the mustard? No, just ketchup. See, yeah, I, I have a family member who's like that who will only eat with ketchup on, on his hot dog, and the other one will, will only eat the hot dog with nothing on it. Sad as that may be seen. No, nothing is... No, that's just... No. He's young. He's he's young. He's developing. All right. Give that boy a package of ketchup. By the way, I don't know if you, heard, you missed it, but on the iTunes page, Gemma, Gemma Barlow's um, review is, uh, shows up in the Canadian app store of our Not Hot Dog app. All right. Hey, welcome back, Tammy. Tammy. Thank you. You're just in time. All righty. Well, I guess that's it until the you know big reveal on Monday. And then we'll talk about it on Wednesday next. So, hi, man. People want to get on here next Wednesday. Won't be? Tim? No? I will not be. I will be at uh, Roger Waters. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Which, interestingly enough, is in downtown San Jose, walking distance from the convention center. Yeah, you should, you should uh, periscope from the uh, concert. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, so hey, Jaime, if people want to get a hold of you, well, how do they do that? The best way is on Twitter. I am at Dev with the Hair. All right, and Mark, if people want to get a hold of you? Mark R at smapsoft.com or at smapsoft. All right, and Tammy? Paradox927. All right. Well, just before, before I sign off, I just want to let people know that I have received a bunch of T-shirts printed from our printer down the street, and so they're ready to ship out. So if you would like a T-shirt, you can come to our website and uh, purchase one, or if you, you know, run into one of us, maybe you might get lucky. Uh, anyway, so uh, my, once again, I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-I-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me, and Mark will be milling around San Jose, maybe... I don't know. I guess you won't right next week. Probably, will yeah, yeah. That will be. He'll be milling around, so you might might see him hanging yeah. around. And uh, since I, I didn't get a ticket, I won't be there full time. But I'll right. be I'll be there a lot of time. So if you want to go out and have a burrito with Mark, try and catch him up, and and uh, yeah, good luck getting him to respond on Twitter. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, Greg Heo, of course, will be at the show uh, at WWDC as an attendee, and he'll also be speaking, I believe, at AltConf. Right, so catch Greg at the show. So until next week, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Tammy. Oh, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And you just listened to the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast's Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey, did you get a... Wait, no, that's not it. Did you get a thing for their 60-minute podcast thingy? No, how could we... We're not going to be there, so why would we do that? We did talk about the podcast thing. We we debated on that quite a bit. I thought you were going. No, 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 I'm not going. No, but if I did, if I was, I would. No, we we debate. We talked about that whole what what uh, what what do we think the uh, podcasting is going to do? Anyway, this is after show now. By the way, uh, we talked about the podcasts. Um, what why Apple is getting into podcasting, or because you know they've got the the listing. Did you list um, Roundabout FM on the app on the App Store, Tammy? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, okay, I listed ours. Other than we have a page and I can look at it and don't really get any statistics from it at all, but. Uh, so we were kind of wondering what what was going to be coming with that next or next week, if anything, especially with them doing the, the sixty minute thing, right? No, I, I think the sixty minute thing is just a practical reality, right? Like, the, I'm not sure what our average is, but we're certainly would be hard pressed to do an hour show. Uh, oh, yeah. we, we sort of let it breathe a little bit, and I, mm-hmm. I definitely uh, love the fact that there are plenty of fans who would love us to do more. I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll do like a twenty four hour. Uh, 
PBS <laughs> style <laughs> yeah, telethon we, we, <laughs> one day live uh, on YouTube or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tammy tried to do it. You said you did a live episode once, Tammy, right? Yeah, we used to do um, Google Hangouts. Oh, right. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> Just wondering why I thought you all were headed to California. Oh, I don't know. There was a possibility. Tim, I thought you were going to Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee. Only the zombie apocalypse yeah. happens. Yeah, I was going to say, only if hell oh, freezes okay. over. <laughs> Just starting all these crazy rumors now. All right, I'm going to throw in mine. So there is a rumor that... Uh, you can find Mark's place on Airbnb if you're a fan of the show. And also, he apparently will be Ubering people from his said Airbnb to back and forth to the convention center. So right. there you go, Easter egg hunting. Huh. <laughs> our many one podcast, many questions. our one the, the, the real question one. is, um, now that we know that Greg is going to be at the show, the question is, what is the over-under on the number of podcasts that he will star in and or co-host? Right, that's true. That's while true. he's there in the labs, in Apple's The answer uh, would be all of them. It's, uh, that, so the, all, the over-under is that you're just going all in on that one. Then you're just I'm saying, going all in. The entirety of them. If, there, if there's 50 sessions and he's in 49 out of the 50. No, he will lose. be in 50 yeah. of them, of the 50. My over-under yeah, is yeah. three. Oh, wait, is this math? Because, no, I'll do math. Mm-hmm. It's betting, which is a, a, What's a like great math? pastime. It's sort of like math. Yeah, no. So, no. 50. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've made Tim's life more difficult in editing this podcast, I thought we'd wrap it up. Because <laughs> I feel sorry now. <laughs> yes. So you are Tim Mitchell, Tim, right? T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. Did you say that part already? Did I, yes, did I, I black did, out yeah, during that yeah. part? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's you not did, good. yeah. I was trying to be quiet this week because I was so obnoxious last week. So were you there the whole time when we were talking? Or truthful? Because I even pinged you on 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 Slack and nothing. No, you didn't. Beep. I did. Go to just oh, write code. You, oh, oh, you did. Oh, look at that. Like an hour yeah, ago. I also pinged on on Skype. <laughs> we were like, oh, did we lose you? The peeps got you. We oh. thought you were out chasing raccoons or something. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> So you were just sitting there listening to the whole show as we rambled on? Look, dude, I totally hijacked the show last time. So oh, no, I you didn't. Tr- no, you I didn't. was trying to be on my best behavior. <laughs> but I wasn't. It was, I a was, rough, it was a rough environment for you. There, there was context, and we, we did talk about it on the show. And I don't know. I, I didn't see any, any, any feedback. Um, negative now. Uh, negative to it. So that, that's good. I did. Um, I did chop some bits. I mean, I will admit, I did. I did go in and, and editorialize some of your speaking. But oh, you know, I, just, I'm surprised you only chopped some bits. I would have chopped most <laughs> bits. It led to yeah. pure comedy, though. When you were about to get started, Tim's like, "Cut!" <laughs> and then I have to come it's and be like, "So well, what were you talking about?" The other like, day. So, you guys, it was almost like you all cued it together because I started to go <laughs> off, and you're like, "Nope." That's it. We're done. <laughs> you Not guys doing did it collectively. Yeah. yeah. What were you talking about? I don't oh. even remember. Can I, get the I think it was. It was something. Well, she was in grumpy mood to begin with because of her. I was. Client. Oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Oh. Shit. No, don't start. <laughs> no, 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 no. We won't. We won't. Was there? Yeah, a it's great because like or, I cut or, in and was like, right after you say cut, I'm like, well. So that's travel mode on one password. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right, well off the rails right, right. on that one. <laughs> oh, my. 
my goodness. I don't even know yeah. why y'all keep inviting me back. Because <laughs> it's color commentary. It's festive. <laughs> I could maybe I could maybe uh, do the sort of reporter on the street from the streets outside WWDC just before the concert. Sure. See, I knew one of y'all kind of was going. You were there. Greg's there. I'm not completely mad. No, well, I'm not going hang on, to I the might be show. Mad, but... Mark lives there. Jimmy, I'm not going to the show because I don't have a ticket, but I live here. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's like in his backyard. You just look out yeah. in the back of his Airbnb, yeah. like right off the deck, and you can see <laughs> the convention center. <laughs> I think I well, if I weren't so busy Airbnb, Ubering everybody around all, all day long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, did you know like Uber will deliver McDonald's to you now? Yes. Yeah, that's Uber, Uber Eats. And, Uber and they have what I've seen is the lowest um, delivery fee. It's only like two ninety nine or something. I don't know if that's a special price, but normally here it's three ninety nine for the delivery fee in most places. Sadly, we don't have it here, but oh my goodness, that'd be nice. You don't have McDonald's where you are. You mean? No, we have McDonald's. Like, we just we don't have Uber. Really? You don't, don't have, have Uber in West Tennessee? No, not here. I mean, maybe in Nashville or Memphis, but not. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. We got yeah. cows. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, it was. There you go. That's a business. You have, have you know, have people ride around in your cows and take them to places. That'd be funny. You could open a business. You know, it's not right in the app. Ooh, we could call it Moober. 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 The raw material is right here. So like, oh, you, this is the one you want. Great. Pay a little extra more. And just like you can pay to take the cup home with you at the various restaurants, uh, you can take this cow home too. You can take Moober instead of so, Uber. So, who do you. So who needs McDonald's, right? You can just make your own hamburger when you get home with the cow. So why were you so quiet? I mean, so you can choose your own episode? lobster. Oh, lobster, gee, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Now I'm thinking of logos for Moober. See what you've done? <laughs> Moober? Moober. Moober. Yeah, but you can also spell it Uder, like utter. Oh, no. 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 Mover is much better. Yeah, Mover is better. I see where you went with that one, Tim. That, that, that's a good silver medal right there. That's, that's high quality, but I think Mover is the winner here. All right. Mover. Mover. <laughs> no, it's not good if it's just Mover. It's got to be Mover. That's going to end up being like the episode art. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be the picture of the, for the episode, Tim. <laughs> you know, somebody riding a cow. Yeah. Possibly all of us riding a cow. Look. <laughs> You know how I love to go off topic, which is why I tried to so be quiet this episode. But my favorite, favorite, favorite scene of Twister. Remember that movie, Twister? Yeah. Was during mm-hmm. the, the scene. When the where cow the, goes flying. Right. There goes a cow. There goes another yeah. cow. No, I think it was the same cow. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> That's the Moober cow. <laughs> yeah, Moober cow. Mm-hmm. You know, that was some high quality CGI from back in the day with... Uh, was that Bill Pullman? Yeah. Uh, Bill, oh, Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton right? Dang Paxton, it. I'm not the only yeah. person to... Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Helen yeah. Hunt. Yeah. Helen Hunt? Was it Bill Paxton just passed away? Bill Paxton. Yeah. It was yeah, Bill Paxton. Yeah. And, and Tammy knows about it, too. That's the really surprising part. I only know about it because, like, eight people sent me messages. Oh, did you... Because they know I don't know who passes away. <laughs> right. Well, who was the last one you just said to me the other day? Um, oh, it was a singer. Oh, George Michael. I had no idea. It took me like eight years before I figured out Reagan died. You're kidding me. 
No, I'm really not. Well, no, it took the rest of the world that long, too, except he was, I guess he wasn't actually dead. He was just... <laughs> this weekend yeah. at Bernie style yeah. <laughs> leading yeah. presidency. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, you know Greg Allman died, right? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. You heard that yeah. too, Tammy, yeah. right? So do you know who Steve Earle is, Mark? Heard the name. He's a guitarist, right? Yeah, he's Copperhead, he Copperhead Road. No, no, no. He just played at Strombo's house. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, so he oh, does wow. Copperhead Road is his, was his big song from the, I don't know, sort of his coming out song. He's from uh, Texas, but uh, he records in Nashville, Tammy. But uh, anyway, he just played, but he the last song he played in George's house was uh, the One More Silver Dollar from um, Greg Ullman. The Eat a Peach? Huh? Is that that one is? I don't is know. Is that on Eat a Peach? Maybe. When maybe. did Greg Ullman died? Just this weekend. Just a couple of, couple of days ago. Yeah. See? No. He's, he's the last young, one. relatively, too. 69? 69. Yeah. 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 Was he the youngest brother, or? There were only two brothers. Yeah, Dwayne. Actual brothers. Yeah, yeah. Dwayne was much older, and he died a long time ago. Yes, through misadventure, right? And you heard about Chris Cornell, too, right? Dude, oh, thanks for ruining my that? night. Jeez. Chris, Chris Cornell from <laughs> Soundgarden? Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, that I remember because Tim sent me a Slack message about that. Mm-hmm. No, I think um, who was it? Uh, Chris told you about that one. Oh Chris yes, language. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he he did too. But you also did. Mm-hmm. He told me first, though. <laughs> well, he's ahead so of me. There. He's in the future. He lives in the future. <laughs> he is. South Africa is in the future. <laughs> yep. Yeah, send us some pictures during the uh, during the show so we can you know comment on comment on on them as you watch Roger Waters, Mark. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Actually, who? I can see it's row eighteen on the floor. Wow, right up front. Nice. Yep. Yeah. yeah have I did, a good time. I'll send you that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're too close actually to be to really enjoy this show because it's a big, yeah, big wonder, giant yeah, display, maybe. right? So yeah, mind you, able to see the guy. Yeah, row eighteen's not bad. Yeah, it's how close I was for uh, Jarrett. Some- oh, Jean-Michel Jarrett. I was going to say, I think he's coming down there somewhere, but. Uh, what did you? Oh, is he? What? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I thought, Tammy. I'm like, all right, you know, sometimes there's stuff I don't quite get on the music side. <laughs> Not too <laughs> into it. Wait a minute. But when he went all, when like he went all French up. on us, I was like, all right, yeah. I'll, I'll take your word. I have no idea how to spell it. Jean-Michel Jarre, actually. There's silent P's and Q's and X's in there, I'm sure. Well, it's didn't you? Like, like it's, a, it's the cover photo from like two episodes ago. If you go to oh, 143, a factorial set of permutations, which came right out mm-hmm. of Mark's mouth ver- verbatim. That picture is from out. Jean-Michel Jarre's show, and that's the that's the scrims I was telling you about, the LED scrims, and they were projecting 3D skulls on them in front of the. Yeah, I think I remember seeing like a periscope. Wait, what, what came time. right out of my mouth verbatim? A factorial set of permutations. Wait, what's a scrim? Oh. That became the title of the show. <laughs> yeah, Tim, what is a scrim? Yeah, I, I believe this? I said that, but I don't remember the context. So you guys don't understand what this scrim thing's about, okay? So I don't even um, know what a scrim means. Well, okay. So a, a scrim is something you use in theater, uh, or like imagine you're seeing a window and and it looks like just like a, a dark window with a screen on it, right? If they light it from behind and somebody's standing behind the screen, they appear as if they're like a ghost, right? So they use them a lot for sort of special effects in live theater. So what he had here was. In the front of the stage, like in front of the band, he had a full, like a full curtain, if you will, of, and it's all LED lights, right? And they're all hooked up to like computers and stuff like that. So they can project graphics and video onto them, right? 
So they're they're like you know red, green, and blue LEDs, right? So he had one mm-hmm. in front of the band. He had one just behind him behind his equipment, and they had one at the back of the stage, right? And not only like they were they f- the full width, but they could they could break them out into panels so that they were all on, on mechanically controlled, so they could split them up and move them around and stuff like that. I'll show you a couple of videos uh, on my uh, YouTube channel. Hang on. But uh, right. yeah, so I'm, so I'm imagining the same sort of technology that they use for the quote unquote holographic stuff like Hatsune Miku or Tupac. Uh, yeah, that could be similar. Like, I guess that's how it is. From mm-hmm. a distance, it would look like Tupac was really there, but it was really just uh, probably just a bunch of LEDs, right? So I totally uh, looked mm-hmm. up Scrim in Google and it says strong, coarse fabric chiefly used for heavy duty lining or upholstery. Mm hmm. But it's also used in theater production. Just saying. I, well, I'm kind of thinking it's almost like a green screen type. Of, it says a heat proof, heat proof cloth put over film or television lamps to diffuse light. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm gonna. Well, I'm so gonna, this is good that we have the variety on here because sometimes I'll have to be like, "All right, Tim, pretend I don't have a BFA." Because I yeah. don't, <laughs> so yeah. I may not be familiar with some of these terms. Well, this isn't necessarily, well, so that's why I was explaining to you what it was, right? That that was the the deal there. Um, but anyway, so there's a, a video I just posted for you guys if you want to just watch that um, called Stardust. So is the scrim the thing behind him? No, you'll see if, as you watch it, you'll see there's a there's like you can see the curtains moving at the very beginning of it. Yeah. So those are the curtains moving together to the to the center, like they're co- they're coming in front, they're drawing in front of him. Yep. Right. And then watch in a second, they'll light up, right? So there's like a circle appearing in them. And you can see this. So there's one in, in front of him, one behind him, and one at the very back of the stage. And that's a scrim. Yeah. It, but they're all made of LED lights, right? That's trippy. And then they start splitting them up as he's playing the song, right? So anyway, his famous album is called Oxygen, if you ever want to, if you're curious about that. Are you and guys watching this right now? His I name? am. <laughs> well, it's actually, I say Jarre, Jean Michel Jarre, right? Like, so. Um, let me just pause this. So, but he actually says Jar. He doesn't say Jarre, right? So, what you see there is Jean is is the French name for John. You know, like John, whatever. So, and then Michel is Michael. So Jean Michel is how you say John Michael, and his last name is Jar. It's, it's probably pronounced like Jacques and something like that. Yeah, right? Jacques. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but but yeah, he was on he was on Q uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking to him. You know, je parle français un peu. Yeah, totally, dude. <laughs> Gene Michael Jarry. Yeah, Gene Michael Jarry. Jerry. Jerry Jar 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 Jarry. I've never heard of this person. Anyway, so well, so so his big album. If you look up, let I me mean, just tell you right here, Oxygen, because he won't be able to spell it. Oxy. Oh, I can't. Actually, you know, so what I think I, okay, I, so so Tammy, you you hadn't heard of. I haven't heard of. Uh, um, Mark, do you know who this individual is? Yeah, I knew the name. I, I I'm not really familiar with his music, but I've heard of him. Okay, cool. That give, that gives me a sort is of a barometer like a of like how far away I am. No, he's French. That's what I was he's ne- right? Like the tragically hip thing was like foreign before. to me. He never played in North America before, and that's why we went and uh, you know we just found out about him playing. And I, I, used, I used to I used to, like look at this album cover. It's awesome. It's like the Earth and peeling back, and there's a skull inside it. You know, so that's the T-shirt I bought, by the way. But that, so I that, have forgiven most of you for speaking the word awesome throughout this whole show, but oh, fuck Tim, that's awesome of you. Uh, 
<laughs> now I'm going to be so self-conscious when I listen to the episode. I'm going to count them up. But I it can. is one of my favorite pieces that. of art, so therefore it is awesome. So there you go. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I just put a YouTube link in there. That's actually the album that I'm talking about that was done back in... is a pioneer in electronic music. And he put this album out, and it was his second album. And they knew they were... He and his business manager were walking downtown Paris on the Champs-Élysées, which is the main drag for Stop shopping. making up words. <laughs> so, on the Champs-Élysées... <laughs> Thank you. Gosh, dirty Canadians start talking American. So it's the Champs-Élysées. So, and he saw Elton John walking out of a record store with 15 of these albums under his arm. And that's when they mm. kind of knew, oh, maybe we have a hit here. Now, why did Elton John need 15 copies? For 15 of his friends. Or 14 of his friends. 14 of his friends, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you just buy one and okay. copy it? No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's no. That was back in like 1970, I think this came, album came out, right? So 1970? Yeah, this is an old album, man, but it's awesome. You should listen this to it. This has like been it. around that long? That al- <laughs> this album? Remember yeah. we had that conversation? If you remember the, like, the tail end or maybe one part of the episode where it made the Prince reference... And Tim was like, oh, I was a little past my time. It's like, Tim, you were alive during that time. If I was alive, you were alive, too. I oh, know he died. No, after my time. After my time is what I said. We're talking about Prince, You mean right? like, your hate, like your heyday time of like of your reference where like most of my most of my music material is like 80s, 90s, and early 2000s of my formative years? Is that what you mean by that? Y'all realize this is way more than just code, right? Yeah, yeah, I realize. Yeah. I think I was married to my first wife at the time, and, and I don't think she was into Prince or Michael Jackson or any of that kind of stuff, right? So uh, you got okay, to remember, too, you got to remember, too, I was I was into what they called funk back in the day with Sly and the Family Stone and, and uh, early, you know, cool, cool in the Gang and Parliament, exactly, P-funk. and and P-Funk. And, and then this you band called Casey. Cool in the Gang? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I don't know anybody else Jungle besides Bully. myself. That has listened to them. Jungle Boogie. Yeah, I've, I've listened yeah. to the uh, to the funk albums for sure. Okay, now so so wait wait so here's here's where the where's here's where the horror comes in. Okay, is so there was a band called Casey and the Sunshine Band that came out and they had this you know uh, get down tonight and uh, a couple of other songs and and they were they were catchy poppy kind of tunes like you know that you'd get from like a Britney Spears or whatever and they were you could listen to them but they didn't suck that bad right but somebody took did the, you, wait, the no, no 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 stop did you just like compare the seventies to Britney Spears yeah yeah well Britney Spears was like pop in the nineties right oh goodness anyway so so but that's what Casey they, as famous as Britney Spears was in the nineties Casey and the Sunshine Band was in. 70s late 70s right 76 77 and then somebody took that style of music and formulated it they took the bass line out of out of one song and they took the drum track out of another song and for about five years all you got was the same f***ing drums and the same f***ing <laughs> bass and they called it disco and everybody thought it was the cat's ass Tell us right. how you really feel, Tim. <laughs> Get I off the hated fence. disco. Well, I mean, you ever see the movie FM? Just just see what Tom Petty has to say about disco. Right? Disco sucks, and and it and we we cut we had to live through this crap for that. It was like it was like Windows like ninety eight. Like you know, Windows ninety eight <laughs> never went away. It was this horrible, <laughs> horrible operating system. Disco to tech, Tim, as only you could do. <laughs> Well, because you know Windows ninety eight sucks too, right? It, it, you know, I shouldn't say that. Windows ninety eight was actually wasn't that bad. XP was a bit better, but still, 
if you had your choice, would you use Windows XP or would you use Mac? Right. So yeah, I, I, I would use the question? Mac. Hmm? <laughs> yeah. So, the, but that's the thing is like the mass populace was hypnotized by this crap called disco. And we had to, you know, so meanwhile, you know, yes, is putting out all this amazing stuff and Pink Floyd's putting out all this amazing stuff that if you go back and listen to another brick in the wall and tell me that's not a disco song. I'm trying to hear the, but I don't hear it in that. <laughs> but even, even run like hell was kind of disco eyes. Right. And well, and in fact, well, the, the miss you album by the stones, you know, the, miss you album yeah that's that's yeah. that was totally hey, even, even the grateful dead had a disco album everybody did i mean that was what you did Wait, and, and, no and, no Wait, no yes which one yes mark would go know. to heaven no which one? yeah which one is that mark go to heaven actually maybe it was shakedown street um hold on let me check oh man can't believe Mark. I'm finding a little hard. Mark has I'm, to go I'm, through I'm, his hundreds. I'm learning of... something today. I would not guess Jerry Garcia would be on a. Uh... I just a introduced picture. my son to the the wall. By the way, did you? talking about Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, I did. Hmm. The movie, right? Oh, the movie. Oh, no. the yeah. Did you that. also oh, introduce the, the Wizard of Oz at the same time? No, no. Just you think you're thinking of Dark Side of the Moon and the Wizard of Oz? Oh, Dark Side of the Moon. Dang it! Before <laughs> my time. So close. <laughs> yeah, so close. The adults are talking now. It's I mean. like Alexander Hamilton, you know, <laughs> Madison. Basically the same dude, I'm sure. I've mean, probably got them mixed up in some of their accomplishments. Yeah, so Mark... The- Tommy, do you, do you remember a time when there was no internet? I'm just curious. Yes. Oh, yeah. So so for my election, okay. so the, the internet didn't like become a thing for my household and my peers until, um, I'm going to say, like, 95, 96 I would guess so. Yeah, so I, I got on in '93, like around, around that time. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a weird tweener because I'm at the very tail end of the generous part of uh, Generation X and the very beginning of millennials. Of millennials, depending on on who you ask um, as to what defines the year, I'm right in the middle somewhere. Wait, ha- how so old are you? I am 36. Oh, yeah, he's a puppy. A to be a millennial. I know. Yeah. I didn't realize. Oh. So I existed oh, for ninety so percent <laughs> of the eighties. Eighty and ninety percent of the eighties, I existed because I was born in eighty-one. Mm. <laughs> Mark's just laughing. Unless you're using, you know, fifty percent of the eighties, I was in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were at the tail end. Of, Back in my day, 80s, we right? made processors out of grains of sand, and we liked it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had to heat up the sand with a with a lighter <laughs> to to melt it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember kids in high school rocking around with punch cards. <laughs> yeah. I did have a card uh, catalog at my school until what? Uh, I think high school they had both the card catalog and the computerized system, like the green screen mainframe type monitor. Um, Yeah. Other than that, middle school and elementary school was definitely card catalog. And I remember having to learn how that system worked. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I had to go to middle school and elementary school uphills both ways with no shoes on my feet. So in the snow. I actually did that once. Don't laugh. That's not funny. (laughs) No, it is funny. Oops, wrong. wrong uh, There's one time my mover <laughs> broke down. <laughs> I had to continue walking all the way to school. You had to ride a goat instead. I actually went to school in Owen Sound, right, for, for my grade 13 year. And it was actually, uh, Owen Sound's a valley because like, there's a river that runs right through the middle of it. So there's an east side and a west side. And I used to have to climb, I used to walk uphill to the crest of the of the valley and then downhill to the school, and then I had to walk uphill to the from school and, and the way home, and then downhill to the downhill. It was like I had to walk 
up two hills to get to school. So you did technically have to go uphill both ways. Well, no, you sort of did. Did you have yeah. shoes on your feet? And I did. Was it in a well, snowstorm? It well. So the thing about it is, it was most of the time because one of the one of the ways I used to get to school is I would cut across um, a racetrack, right? And the, it, they would run their horses out even in, when it was freezing, freezing rain and stuff like that. So you'd end up with these this ice track that you had to cross, and it was all distorted because of the the horses running on it, right? Back in the day, yeah. That that was that's an actual Grateful Dead album cover from like 1979. Oh my god! Wait, is it the Man. disco one? Like That's everybody. Yeah. So, 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 Tim, so, uh, I'm not going to defend the 70s disco era because it oh, has not don't. aged as well as, as, as many other eras have tended to. Um, what about the Bee Gees, though? Saturday Night Fever. Oh, well, that's so hardcore that, disco, right? Like that's so that, that was, yeah, the, the two, there were two BG albums about that time and Saturday Night Fever was so, so, you know, the, the Tony Romano, wherever his name is, the character in, in that thing with the, the polyester pants and the polyester shirts and the button unbuttoned down to his like halfway through his chest. Right. That was every guy I went to high school with. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I know a guy. But I, not not all disco bands are bad. I mean, like Blondie, I, th- I actually think was really good. Blondie was Blondie was uh, I don't was, put was punk new. That was out. new wave. That was new wave. That was new wave. Yeah, but oh man, punk. heavily heavily dis- disco influenced. I mean, listen to like Heart of Glass. Yeah, well, you know, but that, that yeah. Yeah. so punk and new wave. Punk and yeah. new wave kind of saved us from disco because they kind of they kind of took the edge off of it. They kind of rebelled against that whole thing. But but disco lasted yeah. a good long time, you know. So. A lot of money was made yeah. with disco. It's like it was like you know, it was the the freemium app of its day, right? So you know, dude, I cannot <laughs> believe you just said that. I did. I just just said that it was the, it you was did. The, it was yeah. Well, you know, or I guess it was more like the Flappy Bird of its day because you know there was there was one <laughs> there was one worse, there was man. one good there was one good version, and then there was like a thousand copycats, right? So. Everybody yeah. puts out put out a, 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 a disco album. I'm sure if the Beatles were still together, yeah, they would have put yeah. one out as well. But anyway, so it, it's I want to bring back the blues. But it's funny that you know that when you come back to the Bee Gees, though, and, and the Bee Gees were a great band before disco, right? Back in the you know in the '60s when they had the you know I started a joke and um, a bunch of other songs that. Um, uh, how can yeah. how can you mend a broken heart? I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd call them a great band, but they were a good band. They were good. They were they were they were the I Australia's yeah. Beatles, if you will, right? So, and they just kind of got w- washed into this Saturday Night Fever thing, right? So, but yeah, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, or the right place at the right time, and they made a ton of money. Yeah, for, album, they made right? a lot of money. But yeah. but as as disco music goes, if you had to, if you had to, if you had to, like you know, try to swallow your own. P- coming up your throat and and grade disco albums the the saturday night fever album the one that came after that wasn't very wasn't all that bad you know from that point of view right you know and disco yeah, also let its way it let its way into i guess yeah they were pretty good <laughs> yeah better it be jamba juice than like sausage and onions <laughs> if i had to choose <laughs> do you remember uh uh chic tim Le Freak, Le Chique, Le yeah 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 that was actually a really funky album. Mm-hmm. If you ever listen to it, mm-hmm. listen to the music. Yeah, because some of that. So, which which one was Rush's yes uh, disco album? Rush's disco album. 
well, I don't know if you noticed, but they there were a lot of those uh, silk pajama kind of things back in the day. So yeah, 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 yeah and the Rush true. Rush never yeah. really sort of had a disco because at the time that at the time that disco was happening, you would get albums like uh, Farewell to Kings. Hemispheres was kind of maybe Hemispheres might be the closest to disco too. But uh, I'm kidding. But uh, what came after? And then they then they they started going to the sort of the new age kind of stuff with uh, with Roll the Bones and all those kind of things too, right? So, and sub, I want to thank good. you in a way that is not a good thank you. But now I am singing in my head, "Hot Stuff" by Donna Summer. This is not hot good. Stuff? Oh, thank you very much. Now I am too. <laughs> hot stuff. I thought, I, the misery. I, I, I thought it. I thought it would be "Love to Love You, Baby." I thought that we that would be the one. No. No, no, no. But I share this all with you. Oh, hot stuff. Baby. Some of those are straight up corny. How does it go, like, Tammy? Hot stuff. No, no, I ain't singing it. No. <laughs> Jeez, you almost got me to do it. I just sang it, didn't I? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. So I just, uh, speaking of Jean-Michel Jarre, I just went to eBay and checked out the EMS Synthi AKS Vintage Analog Mood Synthesizer, which is the same synthesizer, the VCS3, that they used on Dark Side of the Moon for, you know, On the Run and the, the songs between a couple of other songs where they had the, all those sort of special effects. Anyway, 20 grand Canadian is what they want for one of these things. And that's a refurbished one, so we don't even know if it works. Yeah. Oh, Apple better hurry up and uh, acquire our podcast here if we're going to buy stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They offer a billion dollars, Tim. You don't say no. You don't say no. A billion dollars. 